You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 480 of Podcateers. This week, our pal Jason jumps back into the podcasting chair after a lengthy hiatus to talk about changes in the Disney company over the last several years from the point of view of someone working in and around the parks. He also shares his experiences playing foot golf on a Disney golf course. Disney posts a video teasing two new villains for Oogie Boogie Bash. We have some auction updates as we continue our efforts to raise money for the Children's Hospital of Orange County. Jason also shares his experience and some tips for Dreamlight Valley and Speedstorm. And we wrap up our history segment, Great Moments with Mr. Andrew, with some facts about 1991 and 1992. Remember that if you're listening to this on release week, we have some auctions over on our Instagram account. As I mentioned just a moment ago, we are trying to raise money for the Children's Hospital of Orange County, also known as Chalk. Our goal is to try to raise $500 before the end of August, and you can help us get there with a small donation or maybe by sharing our page. Uh, you can go to teamboatwilly.com. It's just like Steamboat Willie, but without the S. Uh, or you can go to chalkwalk.org slash to make a donation. Every little bit helps, so anything that you can give is greatly appreciated. But of course, if you want to participate in the auctions, make sure that you're following us on Instagram for notifications and information on the items and how to participate in those auctions. The week that this episode releases, we will be auctioning off the Jose Tiki Mug and the Hatbox Ghost Tiki Mug, very generously donated by FGP Squad member Heather. So thank you so much, Heather, for helping us out with that. Of course, if you have any questions about the auctions, please feel free to reach out. We will be happy to answer any questions that you might have. We'd love for you to join the conversation over on our social networks, including Instagram and Facebook, but we would love for you to join us on Discord. Joining the community is super simple. Just head on over to podcasters.com slash links and click on the Discord button to join the community. A very special thank you goes out to an awesome group of listeners known as the FGP Squad, our podcast fairy godparents, because it's their support via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. As part of the FGP Squad family, you get some additional perks like exclusive discount codes for Podcateers gear, additional content that we've uploaded to Patreon, and you get access to our happy hour calls when we get an opportunity to do those. For more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, we invite you to check out podcateers.com slash FGP. And as always, a super special thank you goes out to the FGP Squad for their continued support. So that is going to wrap up this intro. If this is your first time hanging out with us, welcome. We hope that you enjoy the episode and that you come back for more. But if you've been hanging with us for a while now, welcome back, friends. Here is episode 480 of Podcateers. That's I don't think right. anybody actually ever. I mean, gets it's close it right enough. The money. <laughs> I mean, as long as we get it close enough that our conversation will allow me to line yeah. it up, it's fairly loosey goosey. Oh, I get that, man. I spent two weeks editing one uh, episode, so I know how it is. It's been a while. Yeah, man. Uh, what's the news before we jump into some of the stuff we want to talk about? When are you guys returning? Uh, we're not sure. I we keep uh, so we. There's probably been ten times that we've. Set up, went through a round of disc golf, came home, and did nothing. So uh, <laughs> you know we're it's it's not that I I think so. 
being a Disney fan and, and going through COVID and, and also a cast member and doing what we've been doing with Disney, there's been a lot of things that have been going on that have, for me purposely or personally, has made me not want to talk about or get excited about what's happening, if that makes any kind of sense. I know you guys have been really consistent yeah. on, the, on the talk and with Disneyland and stuff, but I don't know. There's just been a lot of things that have been really frustrating from inside as a cast member, but also as a guest where I really feel like uh, the left hand isn't talking to the right hand when it comes to the guest satisfactions and experiences that we're having, but also for cast members too yeah. behind the scenes. So because of that, it's been uh, anti-motivating, however I want to say it, to want to sit down and record. But we just went and had a fun time this weekend and did a little something something new we've never done before at Disney that uh, we're going to be recording and talking about extensively, amongst other things with food and wine and you know things going on in the parks. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I feel like Florida also has had their own fair share of experiences that Anaheim isn't experiencing. Uh, and not to go down a political route, but I feel like a lot of it stems from that. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the challenges are essentially coming from, you know, those arguments that are happening. So I can understand how demotivating it can be. I would be lying if I didn't say that we didn't have moments like that, especially me. I can't speak for anyone else on the team. But the the really great thing about our team is that I feel like we all motivate each other in ways that we generally you know, don't expect others to, you know, we prop each other up and we try to help each other through this stuff. And uh, everybody always offers up these great ideas about what we can talk about that's not related to that. And our goal has always been to be able to talk about some of the things that we don't like, but, you know, try to be as respectful as possible so that we can try to offer and not that they're going to listen to our solutions, right? But we can offer some kind of criticism respectfully and then offer some kind of solution that we think would not only be good for the company, but would be good for us as fans in general, right? And it's hard for us to speak for cast members because we're not in that world. But we hope that the things that we suggest and the solutions that we offer we hope at least when we when we talk about them that they do offer some kind of solution for cast members as well as we feel they would offer for just a, a general guest to the park mm -hmm. yeah most definitely and i mean it's like it's been a while since we've recorded with you know, i've recorded with you guys and talked this kind of stuff and much less myself have a chance to really like talk about disney period except for with cast members and you know guests where i typically just repeat myself um so it's it's been weird, you know, leadership changing happening was very positive. There was definitely a huge uplift within the culture inside the company. I felt even though I work for a third party, I'm also around other Disney cast members on a regular basis. So I feel, you know, the feel the energy because right before we shut down for COVID, it was like the la that very last day before we closed was like super somber. You know, I saw all these the college program kids were all a hot mess. You know, everything else was going on. We all come back and then we're all dealing with all these guests coming in who, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, for your show, we're not being very nice. And things had to step up to allow them to understand that we're dealing with this. So can you guys also help us out with our job, in a sense? And now we fast forward here three years later. We have new leadership happening. Projects were canceled. Some were put on hold. And now they're moving forward. Like the Play Pavilion 
supposedly Imagineering has moved into that space, from what I understand. And it's it's dead in the water. Like, it's not going to happen, from what I understand. Same with the Mary Poppins attraction that we were going to have. I guess that because the the movie didn't do as well. You know, a lot of the stuff is based on box office numbers. <clears throat> not to get into the, the talk with, you know, the movies and things. But it's definitely been... I, I don't know, man. It, the fact that it took them so long to get Tron off the ground and then people are not driving and coming to visit this park for that attraction. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, Gal- Guardian, the, you know, the rewind one, incredible. It's a, a magnificent, everything from the queue, the stuff that the Imagineers did and the details in that queue alone and the way that they transition you into getting blasted into space and then you do the whole thing. It's phenomenal. The coaster itself, the ride, the experience, the music, everything's amazing. The fact that you had to get a barf bag potentially as a new like souvenir at the end of the ride for some folks is a whole different story, you know. <laughs> that stopped though, which is kind of weird. I'm not sure if they adjusted the ride a little bit or did something differently, but that just stopped being a thing for some reason. I'm not sure what it is. I do recall them making some adjustments to it because that was happening. So that might just very well be the case. Yeah, maybe. But it's just like I, I think the biggest complaint that I've heard is the fact that back in the day, Walt used to have his Imagineers buy a ticket and walk through as a guest and experience what the guests are getting the experience. So they can actually feel what it means to go park in the parking lot, take the tram up, you know, whatever they had to do. That hasn't really happened much. And I, I have only recently seen that Disney executives actually walking through the parks again, you know, seeing Josh in the parks. Yeah. It's, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just, I don't know. It's just, there's, like I said, it's been a while since we've talked about this and, you know, I'm kind of not at a loss of where to even begin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I I can completely, I mean, again, I can't speak as a cast member. I can only speak as, you know, a potential guest of the park. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, the the walking through the park, it wasn't even a, like, yeah, it was a Walt thing. But all the way through Marty Mm -hmm. and, like, some of the newer Imagineers, like, I've heard uh, Tony Baxter talk about that. I think Rhodey talked about it at one point as well. So, I mean, it's something that at least... The, the last wave of Imagineers that I think we were most familiar with used to do a lot. Right now, I think they're just trying to complete anything that they have the opportunity to complete with so many things getting cut. And with, you know, the streaming service not doing so well and the park subsidizing the streaming service and, you know, now not, the park's not doing so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get it. You know, it, it's difficult you know, for the company to do anything that they want to do in that state. I don't know what the experience is. I know you said you were trying to keep it, you know, nice because you're on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you on, on your podcast, you cut a little looser. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, there, the sense of entitlement in some of the guests that have been going recently to the parks, man, I watch videos of them and I don't understand it. You know, the entitlement of... You know, this place is supposed to be magical for everyone that goes. And you can see that they feel that it's like it's only for them. Mm-hmm. You know, like <clears throat> nobody else exists. I bought reason. a ticket. This is my special place. It's like 50,000 other yeah. people also bought a ticket to be here. It's easy. You go on the Internet, you give them some money and you get a ticket. It's not like a special thing. Like it can be a special thing, yeah. but it's not like a exclusive thing i i paid 120 dollars to be here it's like so did everybody else 
Like you're you're in the same right. boat as as everybody else. And so that's yep. that's one of the and also to to speak on the um you know walking through the park thing it it kind of is is a little obvious in the like if you look at some of the newer lands that we have gotten in recent history a la Avengers Campus like there it it's pure aesthetic and not functionality like functional at all mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. just like zero shade zero trees all cement like it's very cool looking but it also is not lush it's not cool you know it's not you know temperature cool like in florida and california like the sun is not your friend <laughs> it's uh yeah that's it's like when they built Toy Story Land here, they had Slinky Dog, you know, and, and there's like a 75 to a 95 to even longer minute wait. And there and was completely no in the for sun. anything. So that like, what the heck are these guys thinking that, you know, and also, you know, I think we've talked about it on the show before, but the executives should have to be like once a year. All right. Here's your phone. Buy a ticket. Make a reservation. You have to buy Genie Plus. You have to figure out how to use. You don't get an assistant. You get to figure out how to use Genie Plus. You get to buy food. You get to wait in line, and you give them a task of like you have to do, you know, eight attractions today using Genie Plus or something, and see how it is with people, and try and wait for the fireworks and this and that and the other thing to see how the experience is for the guests because. It's, you know, if you don't do it, you can be like, yes, numbers say this, numbers say that. Because everybody is, you know, especially the families, they're like, we're here for the kids. And the kids, you know, don't really pay attention to all the, like, work that goes into it. Where the the parents or whatever are, like, you know, doing all the checking and doing all the this and that. And, you know, mobile order and I want a churro and da-da-da-da-da. I mean, I want a churro, too. But when you're just a childless adult going through Disneyland, you can just make the day whatever you want it to be. So that's fine. Like, if I don't get a go on Pirates of the Caribbean this time, oh, well. But if you have a kid and you go and Pirates of the Caribbean keeps breaking down and that was the only reason they wanted to come, you're not going to be having a great day, I'm sure. So it's mm -hmm. it's it's really like they need to experience all the things that guests experience, you know, without the luxuries of being a executive or a higher up or chief or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's just going to make the experience for everyone better and hopefully put those people in the mindset of their customer base so they can mm -hmm. best, you know, fulfill the needs of the people and, you know, make the company something that the people want to, invest their time and money into it's the fastest way for change yeah totally <laughs> and you know it's so with the genie plus it's, it's like when that first came out it was it was watching cast members get trained and try to understand how to use this thing themselves and then how to show other people how to use it was pretty humorous because mm -hmm. they had no idea what the heck was going on until they finally got the things the bugs worked out and whatever but you go back to like the how fast pass plus used to be and it was still if I wanted to go to the park, I had so many days ahead where I could actually, as you know, me mm -hmm. being a local, not getting a resort room, I had like a, a week out or something like that, and I get to pick, you know, two and a half of my favorite rides, maybe three if I was lucky, and then we'd go get on those things, and then we'd leave. That was it. Now it's like, I'm not going to spend the money to do it. I understand why families want to come in for their once-in-a-lifetime trip and spend $25 a person to go on 
Rise of Resistance because this is their once in a lifetime trip. So I get it. Disney's understanding that too. But for the majority of the people that come to the parks, especially for you guys, being that yours is a local park, they're consistently people that are coming in and coming in and coming in trying to use Genie Plus or whatever else, and it's getting bogged down where, like, the Genie Plus line is longer than the freaking standard standby wait line. Mm-hmm. And, from, and from what I understand, yeah. it's, it's, it's 100 people in the Genie Plus line for every one person in standby. So if you have 3,000 people in, in the Genie Plus line, imagine the 100 people waiting in the standby. They're going to sit there for six hours or longer waiting for the, all these people to go in and get on their exactly. ride. Exactly. I've, I've, I've also heard 10 yeah. groups to one group. I think it all depends on... The size of the queue and stuff like that, but it's yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Ten to one yeah. general ratio for Genie Plus, yeah. you know, Lightning Lane stuff. And it's pretty crazy. And supposedly, the rumor that I've been hearing around the campfire is that it's the Genie Plus name is going to be going away, and it's going to be going back to a Fast Pass Plus situation, very similar to what Genie Plus is. But you're just going to have to pay for your Fast Passes, like what you guys had, like with the Max Pass thing. It's, it seemed like that actually yeah. kind of worked. Genie Plus is just a bad name. Like everybody really knows is. Magic yeah. Key is a bad name and Genie Plus is a bad name, but they had to do it to differentiate it from the names that everybody likes already. So if they have a bad name for a while and then they're like, well, everybody complained, so we're going to bring it back to the old name, but it's still you're going to be paying for it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, you know, they'll be like, well, we got our fast passes back. That was the thing. They didn't want to call it the same thing because since they were going yeah. to charge, they didn't want people to say, wait a second. Back in my day, we used to go scan our passes in a little machine that gave us a green light and a piece of paper that gave us a return time. And I miss those days. And I could sell that paper on eBay for five ninety nine now. <laughs> <laughs> Back on Hatbox Ghost Day, we got tons of those. <laughs> It's so funny. But, you know, like, so, so, like, recently we were sitting on the couch on a Sunday earlier in the day. We're like, let's go to the park tonight to Magic Kingdom. And we haven't, we haven't had a chance to watch Happily Ever After since it's made its return. And it's, it was my transition from, from Wishes, which is what I grew up with. I was blessed to be there for the last Mm -hmm. night of Wishes. And then I waited probably about a year almost to see Happily Ever After for the first time. I like, even though I heard it, I just, just ignored it. And I've heard the soundtrack since, but also have ignored watching the show. So Julie and I were like early in the morning, like, hey, let's go to the park. And we're like, yeah, let's not go to the park. It's too hot, whatever. Well, like seven o'clock came around and I was like, hey, let's go to Magic Kingdom. So we, that fast, made reservations, got dressed, got in the car. And by the time the fireworks were starting, we were heading for Haunted Mansion. And we did Haunted Mansion, Thunder Mountain Railroad, Pirates, and then left. And we have our little way of going to the Contemporary Resort, take the monorail over to the TTC, get in our car, and get the heck out of there. In like a matter of three hours, we went there and did our thing. But the beauty of it was I would, I actually felt like I was back to where I was before COVID, enjoying being in this park. I was skipping around like a freaking five-year-old kid. <laughs> I, I, nowhere near my wife like she's out there watching listening to this the whatever and i'm out there just in my own little world just singing the songs and like you know like i said skipping around like a damn kid mm-hmm. and i hadn't experienced that that magical feeling of being in disney in five years if not longer where i actually was enjoying myself it was also at nighttime and it was a little bit cooler out but there was nobody around me you know it was it was just a weird sensation and then fast forward here to recently we go to day one of food and wine for whatever reason, Disney decides to schedule their very first extended extra hours, extra magic night at Epcot on the same day that they have the first day of food and wine. Hmm. So we get there at like 7 o'clock-ish for the last two hours of the night. 
And that's when everybody there for the extra magic night can start coming into the park also. Mm. So not only was it packed from food and wine day one, but it was even more full from all these other idiots that are coming in that spent their extra $165 to be there for three hours to ride three caballeros. I don't know why. <laughs> and, the f- and food and wine was even, even offered and available to them. Wow. So they go there for the first two hours for food and wine, and then food and wine ends. Mm-hmm. We, we literally did a 30-minute walk through the park. Julie got a lamb chop, and we got the heck out of there, too. <laughs> it was crazy. Mm, uh, lamb yeah. chops. They put, like, a potato chip on it, like, some kind of thing. She would, she, like, double fist these things. It's pretty funny. <laughs> $45. But yeah, Exactly. But for me, again, it's another <laughs> example of the left hand not talking to the right hand. Like, why in the heck are they going to schedule these two things on the same day yeah for me it's a money grab i think they just want to capitalize on it It totally is i think you know yeah they just want to capitalize on it i mean it's become very apparent in many situations that it it is just a money thing and there's so many different departments within the disney company where so many elements are run as separate businesses that you're absolutely right like the left doesn't talk to the right and it's in those situations that we get what you experienced, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think in in the broader sense, it's the fact that every one of these businesses wants to come out on top because they know the consequence can be that there's going to be cutbacks in their in their departments, or you know things are going to be taken away, things are going to you know be streamlined in some which way or another for the company not really understanding that in the long term it's making it f- for a worse experience for the guests that are coming to the park right because here at like here in Anaheim I know we've had a lot of like cutbacks on cast members and stuff like that and all the attractions that are constantly breaking down and the upkeep of the attractions is not the standard that a lot of us have been used to for so many years, right? Mm -hmm. I I can't speak, obviously, for, you know, Magic Kingdom and Epcot and all that stuff because I I haven't seen there, I haven't been there, I don't know what the status of what the park looks like. And while I've only been to the park a couple of times in the last two years, in those two times that I went, you can definitely see a difference. Uh, like when you said, oh, you know, I felt like a little kid and everything, just kind of going to the park and stuff. And I get that there's some people that have that like experience, but there's definitely others that, you, you know, like Andrew was saying, you know, you, you buy all these tickets when you do go with kids. Like if you go without kids, it's a totally different experience. Whereas if you save the bunch of money to take your kids, you know, on this one trip throughout the year, they're not getting that type of experience. They're waiting in these like four hour lines at times. The kids are getting frustrated and it's it's really different. You know, yeah. not that lines are a brand new thing, but listen, I I hate to say it, but if ever I could just pay for the the Genie Plus or whatever it's going to be called going forward, I if I know that I'm not going to be in a line longer than the standby line, I would much rather just pay for it because I have grown to not enjoy lines anymore. And there's the problem. Person. That's why we have Genie Plus in the first place. It's because people yep. so like Hazen who just want to yep. pay to get past it, and, no, I'm just kidding. Hey, that's like in the words of Taylor Swift, "It's me." Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> I, and I think yeah. I think Disney has trained us to not like lines. Here's, I hate waiting yeah. in line at the damn grocery store nowadays. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, 
For real. What it should have been was a more limited experience because, you know, people would complain, but whatever. Like, if there was only so many slots for Genie Plus, I mean, I know there are only so many, but the number seems to be too high because yeah. the, you know, there are so, like, FastPass had a limit. It was like, okay, this many every 15 minutes or whatever it was. It seems like Genie Plus is exceeding that limit by a lot. Um, you know, with the old fast pass system, you couldn't get another one for, um, what was it? It was either two hours or once that one was up, which I guess you can, you know, do that. That's kind of similar to what it is now, but it just seems like there are more in the, than in the past, there are more people in those fast pass lines than there were with paper fast pass. I think they've upped that capacity number to make it seem like you're waiting in less of a line. But most of the time you're not, you're just making the other line longer. And if yep. I've said it in the yep. past too, if all fast passes were gone, all the lines would be short. I mean, not short, short, but yep. they would be shorter than they are now. Yep. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. And, and I guess what I'm hearing too, is like a lot of the, there's a s- certain percentage of people that are in the same fast pass lines that also have like the, the handicap or, you know, disability access also they mm-hmm. use that same line so there's there's also that you know there's kind of this clogging of multiple different variations yeah. you know parents that have to wait for the you know the, the pass off you know uh, the kids child and, swap yeah yeah so yeah. they all use that same line basically so then it really fills it up you know it's just it's just silly i don't know i don't want to yeah. bring negativity and complain all day on this episode but you know i just think that if disney took some Adderall or some Ritalin or something like that and like took 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 a deep breath and didn't jump on projects right away as fast as they have and then had to cancel it after spending 50 million dollars on a building or a structure that they had to then tear down a you know Galactic Star Cruiser for a good example of it you know <laughs> like yeah that's a that's another interesting talk that I think that's a whole episode that we could get into. Oh yeah, totally about the Star Cruiser. That's but. the reason why Tron took so long. All the uh, just from what I know, the engineers or Imagineers I know got pulled from Tron and got put on that. So you know, that's the long mm. story short. But yeah, I mean, look, I know it sounds like just major complaining, and I know you just apologize for it. But you know, as as a you know working in the park as not a direct cast member, but as a cast member, right? And also as a fan and as a guest of the park. The one thing that I think people don't understand is I've been told in the past, like, how could you speak bad about Disney? I thought you were a Disney fan. And my response to that is I say that stuff because I'm a Disney fan, because I love the parks, and because I've enjoyed going for so long. And the experience is different. I understand that things change. I understand that circumstances can affect, you know, the the product that you produce. I, I understand that with what we do. Right. I understand that my circumstances have in in many ways affected the product that we put out. There's so many things that I would have wanted to do over the last two years that I just haven't been able to. Right. So I get it. I understand that. And I've gotten feedback and I really do my best to try to cater to that feedback in a positive way. uh, And I try to adapt as much as possible. Uh, And uh, I think a lot of us talking about Disney as a company, as fans, we hope that they would do the same thing, right? I understand that changing a small podcast with a small audience versus, you know, changing course on the behemoth that is the Disney company is a totally different ship, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, 
small changes I think can uh, can make huge waves for the company, right? Yep. Like something as small as last year when all those cast members were striking and then when they were, you know, talking about how they didn't make enough pay to even afford the apartments that they were living in. Come on, like that's a simple change that would make your entire cast member base so much happier and be more willing to produce the magic that you talk about on a daily basis, yep. right? So it, it's, again, we don't say these things because we hate the Disney company. We say these things because we love the Disney company. We want to see it thrive. We want to see the cast members continue to produce the magic that we enjoy so much about yep. the Disney company. 100%. If you can't be critical of something, then then I think you're you're not really a fan of su- like there there there's there's being critical and then there's just following blindly like there's a, a happy medium in there like nobody is uh, nobody can do no wrong like er- everybody is fallible even even the Walt Disney Company and the people that work for them so there sometimes people make a bad decision like it happens and. People, you know, you got to point it out and be like, hey, we don't like that you did that, because if you just say, hey, man, I really like that you made all the lines really long and I really like how um, it's like there's no shade. I really like all that. If you just say that all the time, then they'll just keep doing it like because they think that that's what everybody wants. Well, I guess they want to sit in the sun. I don't know what to say. Everybody loves the sun. So we're you were all right. Fourth, fifth gate to Walt Disney World is the no shade park. It's just a big like, uh, you know, parking lot and everybody gets to stand in the sun. Well, that's what they seem to want. If you don't tell people you don't like something or, you know, use your dollar in a way that, uh, you know, to say, hey, I like this or I don't like this, then nothing's going to be different. Well said. Yeah, very true. Well said. So, uh, like you said, we don't want to sound like we're being 100% negative on this episode because there are some positives, right? And one of the positives is that you had an opportunity to have a unique experience in the parks. Tell us a little bit about what you had a chance to do and what the experience was like. Uh, We went and played foot golf on uh, Disney property, which was very fun. Before you get into it, I do have to ask. You said you played foot golf. Is that not just kickball? It's basically soccer and golf hybrid. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Cause you use a, it's okay because you actually use like a regulation soccer ball to as your ball. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So the course that they have it at is at the Disney's Oak uh, Disney's Oak Trail foot golf course and uh, basically it's over where uh, Shades of Green I think it's I believe it's called where they have uh, where the military uh, mil- can stay yep, for dis- a name. discounted and everything there on property um, yeah and the, and basically the hole I believe the hole is like 18 inches round it's like a big bowl in the ground and it has a little flag in the middle of it and it's actually on the golf course. It's on a nine-hole golf course. So you, sh- you the way the tee times are set up, they're staggered so that the ball golfers play the majority of the first half of the day or t- first two-thirds, and then the foot golfers come in, and then they play their thing. And it's you, they have a tee, like you if you're playing golf. That's it's its own little tee on the same tee pad, tee box that you play from. It's got its own little, little uh, stopper gimmicks that let you know that's where you have to hit your ball from. And it's just like regular yeah. golf. It takes three shots, four shots, five shots to get in the hole. You get a little scorecard. I was hoping we could drive a golf cart around, you know, but we didn't get that opportunity. 
because you have to walk the entire thing, which is fine because it was gorgeous. And I also set it up to where we were playing at sunset. So we had, you know, the oaks and the trees and all the gorgeousness happening at sunset behind us on this magnificent green. I mean, you know, the way Disney does everything right, I mean, you know, even though we're complaining about all these things are doing wrong. <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, when they do it, they do it right. And, uh, you know, so it was just it was magnificent and it was actually pretty busy. I thought I got the last tea time. There was like four other families behind us that were playing and we all kind of, you know, finished off right as the sun was going down. And you just start off and you just, if you can kick a soccer ball, you kick a soccer ball down the fairway as far as you can and walk up to it and then kick it again. And Julie and I have been playing frisbee golf or disc golf for a couple of years now. I've been playing for almost 15 years on and off myself. She started playing during COVID. And so the whole golf thing, she's played what we call ball golf, like traditional golf um, also. So we're both like, hey, this is just a new golf to add to our repertoire that we've never played before. Uh, for annual pass holders, depending on your level of your pass, you can actually play for free certain days of the week, unlimited oh. in a sense. And then cast members get a discount. I think my discount was like 40% off or something like that. Uh, but normally it's like 25 bucks a person to play. Which isn't bad in general. No, uh-uh. For what it is, for the experience. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. They've got a huge yeah. clubhouse. It, it was. I felt kind of at first out of place because we were kind of in our own gear outfit-wise to play like soccer on a golf course when you have all these other golfers that are coming in all hoity toity, you know, as they're coming in on their golf carts and their clubs and stuff like I would be if I was playing regular ball golf, you know, kind of thing. But it was just kind of this mix yeah. of different variations of humans out there playing different sports of golf on this golf course. And uh, it was pretty cool. And we walk up the guys like, welcome to the most uh, magical place on turf as his uh, opening <laughs> little thing to us and began to tell us all about the game. It was a, uh, it was a lot of fun. So you were talking about all the people that were coming out and playing and their, all their gear and stuff. Did you see a lot of families or kids playing or was it like, you know, like older people that were playing, like teenagers and older people that were playing? Yeah, as far as the, the foot golf, the foot I would say stuff. Julie and I were like the only couple out there. And everybody else that we saw were families. Like there was a, but the people behind us oh, was a family okay. of four, two girls and, and mom and dad. And then behind them was another family. And then in front of us, we had a family. So we were kind of like the lonely, you know, couple out there doing our thing. The, the millennial Disney no baby couple, whatever you want to call it. You know? <laughs> You're out there having fun, man. That's all they. Can it was a right? blast. Yeah, I recommend yeah. wearing good shoes because I had uh, not the best sneakers on. You know, because you're kicking soccer balls, and you want to stretch yeah. out and you know not be in shape, but you know at least somewhat physically fit, so you can walk nine holes on a golf course. Right on, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, definitely sounds like an experience that I guess uh, people should give a, a try to whenever they're out there and have an opportunity. $25 doesn't seem like a bad deal, even if you're not getting a discount, considering that, you know, in most places, at least out here in California, Southern California, if you go miniature golfing, you're paying anywhere from $12 to $20 per person. And the the courses are not disney in any way mm -hmm. uh at some courses just look like they've been falling apart for 30 years in some cases so yeah uh the fact that you're you're paying 25 bucks to be on a disney property you're out in the open air you know enjoying the scenery and you get a chance to 
have what what sounds like it's not a common experience for many people. I guess if you frequent that area, it might be more common for you. But honestly, when you first texted me this thing, I had zero clue what foot golf was. And in my head, that's all I thought. I was like, this sounds like kickball. Like, it, what is he talking about? That's why I asked you the question. But mm-hmm. yeah, overall, and there's, there's... it just it sounds fun. Yeah, it, it definitely was. And what's interesting too is there's actually like a professional foot golf association, and like on the T markers, it has like a little logo of that. What it is? Yeah, totally. And I can see like former soccer players like going out and actually competing in this sport as an active sport. What? Wa- wild. Andrew. Andrew, this is it. This is this is the the sport. I'm a former soccer us, player. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. Football. Right Football. Yeah. Yeah. Go! Exactly. Do you scream anything when you make it in the hole? Uh, not really, because I was shooting like bogeys and double bogeys uh, and stuff. You go, ah, oh, mm. man. I kept looking at Julie like, you having fun? She's like, oh yeah, I'm having fun. You having fun? I'm having fun. That's all that mattered the whole time. <laughs> you know, so far yeah. the only golf I'm good at is one miniature and two. I just downloaded Tiger Woods 2K23. Oh, I was just telling Julie about that last night. That, so. How is it? Good. Those are the two yeah. forms of golf. Wii golf is I've pretty good. I'm pretty good at Wii golf, I think. Yeah, we've been playing the new yeah, uh, Wii golf on the, on the Switch. The Switch sports, I mean, the same thing. I call it Wii yeah. golf. Wii golf. You know, they'll it. take anything. Yeah. They, what? I, I mean, I guess it's just people can't cut. There's, there's only so many games that can exist in the world. So they're like, let's just mash up these games. Because it's like, you know, disc golf and foot golf. And there's like, what is it? Have you heard of slam ball? I want to say I is have. that just handball? No, slam ball, ball is basketball on trampolines. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, the- I want to combine uh, a chair and you know those tennis balls with those Velcro pads that you toss at each other and uh-huh. they stick to the Velcro yeah. pad. I want to combine those two things. We call it Velcro chair ball. Oh, okay. That's creative, I know. Yeah, I don't totally know. Let's do it. like uh <laughs> let's see. What's another like lazy game we can do? Like bed sleep yeah. sleep ball. Bed hockey or no, bed uh <laughs> Tad that yeah bed bowling bed okay bed bowling so you lay the bed is just next to the lane and then you just pick up the ball and you swing it from the bed and then you roll the ball and you bed bowling i don't know all right that's how, that's how right. we play our our wee bowling is our switch bowling we actually lay in bed and i play lefty because my lay on the left side of the bed so my arm could be off the side of the bed and julie's on the right side of the bed <laughs> jason's already ahead of the curve yeah, on that bed one. Oh yeah dude. <laughs> my left arm is getting real strong uh. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we continue, I do want to take a moment to thank a wonderful group of listeners known as the FGP Squad, our podcast for your godparents, because it's their support that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. If you want more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, uh, head over to podcasters.com slash FGP. There you will find a link to our Patreon, a little bit about the FGP squad, uh, some of our top contributors, and more. So also, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we'll be happy to answer any questions you might have. But being a part of the FGP squad family just gets you a few additional perks, like access to additional content we've uploaded to Patreon, access to our happy hour calls whenever we get an opportunity to do those, 
you get discount codes for Podcateers gear when new stuff is released. Sometimes I just like to send out things to people. Uh, like we randomly made these cool little products that you can wrap steel cans in with logos and badges and names and stuff. And uh, they just recently went out, but they went out to the FGP squad. Uh, I think they're fun. I think we'll be able to have some fun with those designs. I got one. Yeah. Uh, so, again, if you're interested, head over to podcasters.com slash FGP for more information. But uh, as always, we just want to send a huge thank you to the FGP squad for their continued support. FGP. Yay. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about something that's scary. And this scary seems to be a little bit of a tease for what might be coming to California Adventure for Oogie Boogie Bash this year. Mm-hmm. We got a little video teasing a buck or uh, a, uh, a barrel of some stuff, some ooze. And then we had a little tease for a San Francisco. And immediately, a couple of characters came to mind. Andrew, you want to talk about this? Yes, a barrel of ooze uh, making their Disney California Adventure uh, premiere. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are coming Got to it. Oogie Boom. Boogie Bash. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, they uh, were at MGM Studios for a while, so I wouldn't doubt that it. They were, you know what? We <laughs> it, it's part of the history, um, but no, there is a barrel of uh, acetate, turpentine, benzene, or they call it acetate, acetone, uh, turpentine, benzene, or the dip, as you may know from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So it is, uh, uh, and uh, out of the barrel we see two little shoelaces hanging out the top. So uh, it's given us uh, Judge Doom as, you know, Judge Doom uh, dips a tune shoe into the uh, the dip in a very horrifying scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, probably one of the most, like, just generally evil villains in Disney canon. Like One of the worst. Like, it's just like uh, evil for evil's sake. Kind of like... Like it's just like Cruella Deville's like I want to murder a bunch of puppies. Okay, Judge Dune, I want to like murder all the tunes for money. Like it's it's uh you know pretty de- uh, uh you know uh to I can't even talk uh anyway pretty bad <laughs> like Porky Pig up in here. Uh, that's how that's how shook Andrew is right now. He can't even yeah. talk. And then yes, then uh, San Francisco. It was just kind of like. A bunch like it just said San Francisco, so that leads us to believe we have uh, Yokai coming from uh, Big Hero Six, or I, I mean, I'd assume it's him in the like, uh, you know, the trench coat and the mask thing, and not like man, whatever. I forget what his name is when he's not not in the costume, right? Because they're like, it's that guy, man, man. He's got a name, yeah, like Steve would... Dittmeyer. That's not that. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not. Uh, it, it's not Steve Dittmeyer. I, I want to say, man, what is what is his name? Robert Callahan. That's his name. There you go. That was pretty close. Man, Professor Callahan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming they're gonna show up. They're gonna have him like in a trench coat and the mask and stuff because yeah. otherwise, you know, they're not, they're not gonna. It's know. just man. How would you feel? <laughs> yeah, how would you feel if instead of Judge Doom, there are like Sur- surprise, it's the Toon Patrol, I, and it's know, like Weasel <laughs> and like Smarty and like all. Like, Sorry, it's not Judge Doom psycho, at all. <laughs> Wheezy. Yeah. I, <laughs> You know what? That's even better in my book. Like you get a bu- like six weasels. Like that would be pretty dang cool in, in my humble opinion. I mean, Judge Doom, Judge Doom is very cool, but the weasels are also cool. I mean, I anytime we can get anything Roger Rabbit in the parks anywhere, I am game for it. Even if it's just like a cardboard cutout of Judge Doom, like I'm fine with it. Like it's it's better than zero Roger Rabbit at this point. <laughs> like I'm yeah. do, do keep them in the parks. Keep the keep the the movie fresh in people's minds. We gotta, you know the, the this is what I like about Oogie Boogie Bashes. They've 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 uh, kind of dug a hole for themselves, a good hole of like rare characters. Like they Mickey's Halloween party. Uh, kind of did that, but it wasn't really to this scale. Where it's like, okay, maybe cuts, like the man. seven dwarves would come out, or <laughs> like this. It's like these are characters that we've never seen in costume in a park. Yeah, yeah. Like, so just like on this, having never been to Oogie Boogie Bash or in you know Disneyland in general, how are the, how are the lines for the meet and greets typically for characters? It really depends. Like I've gone. Uh, other than last year, we didn't get to go. I, I've gone every other year, and I'll be going this year. Um, it uh, it really depends. Like we, the year before last, we decided just me and my wife went. We decided that we were just going to do photos, like just as many photos as we could. And so we ended up with ninety nine. I think it's ninety nine or a hundred photos that were all meet and greet photos. So we got to meet. Uh, it was just, it was just a whole plethora and the, the, like the newer characters definitely pull a larger line. And some of the ones like, like, uh, Ernesto de la Cruz, I believe is part of a treat trail. So there's no like Mm. meet and greet for that one. You know, they have the Sid from toy story and, and all these other ones, those are all treat trails. So you can't really get like a, you know, meet and greet photo there's no photo pass or anything like that but we took a lot of photos and if you're not like super set on seeing like world of color a lot of stuff will be a pretty short line during world of color or if you're not really you know we we have annual passes so it's i'm sorry magic keys i you know annual pass whatever they're going to change it back eventually um the it's i don't need to ride the rides when i'm there necessarily because i just did that i can do that anytime this uh, the whole point of the the ticketed event is to do the things that are exclusive to the ticketed event so characters are one of those things and i'm the longest we waited for a character was for mickey and minnie um and i think and we got in the line at a weird time because then they had to go on break and so we stayed in line so i think we waited like like 30 minutes or something for them. But other than that, most of the lines were like five minutes. That was the year that uh, 
Captain Marvel made Hazen a video, and that line was yeah. uh, there was one person in front of us in Became that line. Fan. So yeah, hardcore so, fan that year. So um, yeah, it's it's really like it, it's hit or you know if it's like like the Kingdom Hearts, uh, got, uh, Donald and Goofy, Mickey, they always had a big line, but I didn't play Kingdom Hearts, so I'm not really like that's not my jam. So I didn't need to go get a picture with them, but that that one always pulled a big line. And, um, that's the only one I really noticed the, the time before last that I went, I think the, the, we, we went the year that they had zombie cap, but they didn't, they didn't have him out yet when we went, cause we went fairly early. So I know that one was pulling like pretty good lines too, but generally like, like I think we met the sheriff of Nottingham or something and there's like yeah. four people in line or whatever. I'll have to pull up my, my photos, but they, they can get, you know, Mickey and Minnie, was like 30 minutes and i think that's probably the most you know to, I, again the the uh the kingdom hearts ones were pretty long like that that one i i could see being longer than that but they they weren't like the worst thing in the world especially if you like if you're getting there early like right when they let you in at like three o'clock two or three o'clock i think i think it's three o'clock um, and you can like do your rides, you know, if you, if you're going there and all you have is bought the ticket, you don't have a park ticket for the day, do your rides in that, that three o'clock to six o'clock or seven o'clock, whenever the party starts, knock out the big things that you want to do then. And then just, just go full bore into, um, all the specifics of the of the Halloween party. So, you know, we don't care too much about the world of color, but we really love the parade. So we always make it a, you know, make it a thing to see the parade, do the characters, mm -hmm. the, the uh, what is it? The Villains Grove. Uh, we hadn't done the past couple of years. This last time we went and it was very cool. I recommend everybody going to Villains Grove if they can. It's, it's so cool. So yeah, uh, just long story short, uh, the hit or miss on the lines, but uh, some of them can be short and some of them can be long. Interesting. Cause like here, so we have Jack and Sally. Mm -hmm. They're wait waiting up to three to four hours. People are waiting. I was yeah. hearing someone talking the other day, like they did the same thing. They went for characters. They got three photos pass photos oh, with wow. three, different, three different characters through the entire night wow. and they open up the park at four o'clock and so four o'clock is the earliest you can start to wait in line but only for jack and sally because they're the two most popular and then yeah. we yeah. have the Pooh characters and they're all in their little costumes everybody wants to get a group photo of all the characters individual photos mm -hmm. with social media these days social media is just screwing everything up for everybody no matter what the heck it is that we're doing whether it's theme parks or life in general <laughs> it seems like good lord have mercy but it's and that's you know you can either go do characters or you can go get 40 pounds of candy you know what is it what you want to do yeah i like to, you know we have the overlays yeah. too and i've only actually been one time to the parties and we did they had like an overlay for space mountain it was all black and had like heavy bass metal mm -hmm. music playing it was amazing but that's why I'm asking, because I've just been hearing horror stories right now. And also the fact, as you guys are also dealing with, it's like 120-degree heat index at 8 o'clock at night right now here. <laughs> Dude, right now uh, in Southern California, as we're recording this, it is 99 where I am. Good Lord. That means and it's like it's, 104 degrees inside it's Hazen's like, house. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous right now. So, uh, yeah, do you normally have Jack and Sally out for anything in any of the parks? Just that. Just for the just not so scary. Ah, see, so they're at Jack Disneyland. And Sally, yeah. They're at Disneyland, and they post up by the haunted mansion frequently. 
Well, so no, they have here, a they have their own own little deal now. They they're in right, the but, yeah the shop. Right, but what I'm saying is that they're actually like frequently out in that area. Oh so yeah, yeah, sorry. It's not just for the Halloween parties here. So the last time that we went was probably four five years ago now maybe yeah, about five years uh it was i think the last year that they did it at disneyland before they moved it to california adventure and made it oogie boogie bash it was when it was still mickey's halloween party so five maybe six years at this point mm-hmm. um and jack and sally had one of the shortest lines like theirs was like a 15 minute line because wow. they're out so frequently and because I think a lot of locals tend to go to these things. Now, to address the comment that you just made about social media, the best advice I can give anyone when it comes to these is don't buy a ticket for the first like three or four days or the first week. Always wait. It might be and sound cool that you're getting it on like opening week or whatever, but that's the week that everyone's going to go out and try to record content because they want to be the first to post it, you know? So if you want to be in a situation where it's just a little more enjoyable, you're not standing in line so much, especially if you have kids with you, try to go after week two because the lines will tend to die down a little bit. And that's just not for things like Oogie Boogie Bash, especially here in California when they do the after dark events, you know, the princess night, star Wars night for any of those situations, always try to get it. Larry talked about this for a couple of the after dark events that he went to, you know, night three and beyond was way uh, easier in the line than it was the first couple of nights because there wasn't as many people trying to you know record their content so uh mm. best advice we can give you is wait for a few days never get like the first couple of days of an event Makes sense unless they're me. giving something away yeah unless they're giving something away and they're like night one we're going to give this limited edition thing and you really want that thing that's different but if you can just wait just you know just wait a few days I don't know if you guys have it this year, but the sipper that they have this year for us, it's like uh, the candy wagon from Nightmare Before Christmas, and it has all the locks, 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 cool. whatever their names are. It's super gnarly. That looks it's super like, cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me want to go. We get go a rehash of a Mickey mummy. Huh? No, How about I that? think they had, let's see. I think they might have the, yeah, the, the mayor's car. Oh, they do have it for us? For let's like see. here in Anaheim? I think so. I think that was, hold on. There was some announcement somewhere, but I can't find it now. Oh, so. oh well. I thought I, maybe okay. maybe it was just a Disney World thing, and I got them mixed up. I get them all right confused on, myself. That'd be a fun job to have, to be like a popcorn bucket zipper designer. Yeah. Dude. Let's try to make a toy, and then we just have to put the tiniest compartment in it is basically you guys, what you got to do. <laughs> I saw there was a Minnie Mouse, I think, that you guys got where she was in costume. Yeah, yeah. There's like one I of don't the know Sanderson if sisters. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. yes, that's a sipper. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought it was a popcorn bucket. No, I think the. I don't know. Maybe it is a popcorn bucket. Who knows? Who can tell? It's a big plastic toy. Who cares? <laughs> Man, that's insane. <laughs> well, we've got those I from mean, the fifties. We got things... the popcorn bucket and the sipper. Yeah. I mean, I love collecting the popcorn buckets. I love collecting the sippers. The Hatbox Ghost Sipper is seriously the bane of my existence right now because the one that was in the parks, they sold for like one day. And I have a feeling that they, they're they saying that they're sold out, but they're waiting until Oogie Boogie Bash 
or for like the Halloween season to fully kick in for them to be like, surprise, we have more. Uh, and that's when I want to try to get it if they have it. But that's like the one sipper. I remember when the Hitchhiking Ghost came out, I was all about those and I'm so happy that I own those. I do have a Jack sipper. Like it's a big like Jack Skellington with the lanky arms and legs. It's like mm-hmm. super cool. Um, but that Hatbox Ghost one, man, I feel like if I ever wanted my collection to be complete, I it would need that Hatbox Ghost in it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I got to keep my eye out for that one. Uh, hey, speaking of sippers and popcorn buckets, we got some auctions on the Podcateers yeah. Instagram account. We are trying to raise money to help the children. You know, if you're out trying to purchase one of these items, uh, you could be spending hundreds of dollars on eBay for it and make a scalper happy. Or you can spend hundreds of dollars on one of the ones we have posted, but you're helping the children. That's, I I mean, that's, that's fantastic, I think. So if you're interested, uh, we have a couple of items. If you're listening to this release week, we have the Jose Tiki Mug up for auction. Uh, we have a Hatbox Ghost Tiki Mug also up for auction. Uh, special thanks to FGP Squad member Heather for providing those. Uh, Jason and Julie provided a Figment popcorn bucket, which we posted over the weekend. Um, but it's going to be up again. That transaction did not go through. So we're going to be posting that one again very soon. I think we have a week or so for to continue fundraising for the Children's Hospital. Uh, if we're unable to post it and have it go towards the Children's Hospital, we're going to hold off on it. And then we have a couple of other fundraising efforts, including a cancer walk that we're going to be doing where we can also put it up for auction there. So if you were interested in the Figment Popcorn Bucket, don't worry. Like I said, that transaction didn't go through, so we're going to be posting that again soon. Um, and then we have the other auction items. So... Uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram. If you're not following us, that's the best way to be alerted when the auctions go live. And if uh, you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. If you're not a member of our Discord community, you can head over there and ask any questions to us there. Best way to join us and to find a lot of our common links is by going to podcateers.com slash links. There you will find our most recent episode, a link to the Quizneyland playlist, links to our YouTube channel, Goofy Guys Adventures, Larry's YouTube channel. If you're not following him, make sure you subscribe. He frequently live streams from the park, so you can check that out as well. And of course, links to our Patreon and our Discord. So podcateers.com slash links, fastest way to get all the most frequently, commonly asked for links on the Podcateer site. Uh, I've been actually holding off on this conversation a little bit because I know... What a big Speedstorm fan and Dreamlight Valley fan you are, Jason. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm ref- I'm talking to you on this one because I know Andrew and Mel have dropped off a little bit. I've been the one that's been playing a little bit more than they have. I think they're waiting for the next Star Path to come through. I don't know. I'm being lazy. My Switch is right here, and I just have not. It sits <laughs> next to the bed, and I just don't play it. I play Monopoly instead. I'm addicted to Monopoly right now. That's the problem. <laughs> well, there you go. 
You're addicted to Monopoly, but that's fine. I mean, there really isn't much to do in Disney Dreamlight Valley outside of the Vanellope quest that you can do to add her into the valley. But once you kind of max her out, there's not a lot to do. So your thoughts on where we are in Dreamlight Valley, Vanellope, uh, the upcoming update with Belle, uh, and then I want to hear your experience with Speedstorm. But let's start with Dreamlight Valley. Yeah, so... I'm actually going to back up to COVID when I was somewhat reintroduced to back into playing games again, like something I had always done, always part of my life, playing video games since I was, you know, the Atari playing Pong. I mean, like literally like back that far. And then I got to a point to where I became a parent and time kind of got away from me and I became more of a hustler as far as my businesses, as you and I, Hazen, you know, we're talking about, you know, like the drive to, to, you know, we both had podcasts we were doing to get our businesses going and really striving to take every little extra minute that I had in my life was dedicated to my business, which was not healthy, which you and I both had talked. We came to find out <laughs> the hard way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and COVID made us both just stop and take a breath, you know. And at that same time is when Animal Crossing, the new version came out and my wife got the game and I was really envious of sitting and watching her play this super relaxing fun little chill game and then she got to a point to where then she was able to do like all the landscaping and move things around and stuff and that's when I really got envious with it because for me like I'm a glass blower and an artist is what I do but I have a engineering brain which is kind of with my glass that I do is scratches lots of itches I, I do lots of engineering with my glass also but yeah before 2008 happened I was going to go to school for landscape architecture and I I have slightly obsessed with outdoor lighting. My wife loves when I'm out in places, and she's like, look at this outdoor lighting, honey. Just like rubbing, you know, kind of razzing me about it because she knows I'm going to say something about this outdoor lighting that we're walking around. So introducing Dreamlight Valley, she starts playing this thing, and I'm like, what is this? And we both kind of knew about it, and then I started watching her playing it, and I'm like, I got to get this game. She has her old PS4. We bought the PS5 for Harry Potter specifically, as you may have also, because we had to get it before before it was released for the PS4. So I would sit in the bedroom on our TV in here and play on play Dreamlight. She'd be in the living room playing Dreamlight, and we'd have conversations across the house about what we were doing. She would finish every task, everything that was needed to be done, right? I am still... I think I have four or five characters that have actually completed all of their tasks. I'm taking my time, dude. <laughs> I spend more time... Like, I'm actually designing and building and doing things that I have wanted to do within a game my entire life that I have access now to do it, especially when I'm playing on the PS5, just because the graphics are incredible. Some of the nuances of, like, a ratio of, like, say, like, a carpet compared to, like, having a planter set up, like the figment planter, the way that that round shape is, you can't perfectly put it in the middle of a space if there's concrete or a path underneath it it doesn't the squares are different sizes right the grid doesn't line up yeah. properly and my ocd goes insane so i can, i have to like i had to design a garden around this thing to make it look symmetrical right mm-hmm. but i have gotten completely immersed into not really the storylines per se at first but really just the fact that i can go in there and just create my own space for the characters specifically. And I'm loving the interaction with the characters, the, the mechanics of everything. S- early on with Minnie, that was probably my very first attachment to this game was when Minnie first came into the game and I was seeing her blurping in and out. Yeah. And I was I was feeling heartbroken for Mickey. You know what I mean? Like I was just getting 
completely attached to this thing. It's crazy, and then fast right? Forward, oh yeah, totally, bro. And then I and then I started like really paying attention to the nuances of like just the soundtrack and how like in the background, depending on your character you're with, when it's the hour passes, the the clock in the background starts to tick, and it makes music to a certain character, maybe who you're playing with or just like the M I C K E Y M O U S C, but it makes that tone in the mm-hmm. background. Switch also lets you know that hey, I've been playing for seven hours, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. <laughs> But then it gets to a certain point where, like, it transitions into nighttime, and then the music turns into this it's beautiful ambient music. Where I will just turn on the, the game just to hear the music playing in my headphones while I'm laying in bed, not even playing the game, just to listen to that soundtrack because it's just so soothing and relaxing. And it's really mm-hmm. what has gotten me even more attached to this game. And then now we fast forward to Fairy Godmother coming in, and I had to complete. I had to get Simba and Nala's tasks almost all finished before I felt like I could start the Fairy Godmother stuff. And I think Same I have my Fairy dude. Godmother at... I, I think she's like level 7 right now. I haven't fully completed her. But I did finish the game. And like I told you, I was not expecting to sit there and get all misty as I'm playing this kid's freaking video game. Like I was emo- having an emotional experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even dealing with Olaf. Yep. Like Olaf is so silly and goofy, but like his little expressions, even with Wally, I feel guilty when I'm like, okay, Wally, I'm done playing with you right now. He gets all sad and walks like walks yep. away with his tail between his legs. Just rolls like, away. Yep. I feel dude, the it's, same. It's And it's so fascinating how they have been able to take characters we've grown up with and loved into this game now that is part of our childhood, quote unquote. And as adults, they're teaching us how to communicate, how to express ourselves, how to be children at heart again, even though a lot of us already are because of our, you know, immersion within Disney as it is. But this game is really, it's it's very interesting. I mean, even the fact that they had a warning at the beginning of this new chapter saying, hey, there's some serious emotional things that you may have to deal with within this game. I hope you're prepared for it. And if not, you maybe want to wait a little bit before you actually play this game. I think it's a great way to teach kids how to communicate their feelings. If they're feeling a certain way, this forgotten character, he's like, I'm having these feelings of negativity. And you're like, yeah, this is very similar to what love feels like. Anger and love are very similar emotions. Through a video game, they're expressing this and and teaching us that it's okay to feel this way. You know what I mean? Yep. It's what I I feel it's what society needs in a sense because I you know as we talked about getting frustrated with all the things at Disney it's because we have a passion for Disney specifically. Some people think we're crazy that we're part of a cult. Maybe we are and we probably are. But to me, we're all living. Yeah, exactly. But we're all living the life that we're living as kids at heart. That hence why we may live till we're like 150 because we're kids at heart. You know what I mean? Yep. And this and this game's kind of like reintroducing that to us again to recapture that spirit of being a child. Yeah. So when when Jason said, "Yeah, it right," um, I looked down a little bit because I I made myself a hat that says Disney Adult on it, and that is what I'm wearing as we are recording this episode. Um, so I I totally get it. You know, the thing about Disney is. For a long time, I, you know, I can't speak for anybody else, right? But I, I think I've, I've talked about this a little bit where, you know, Disneyland was or is a place that I've always seen as, like, it's, in the, it's on the plaque, right? Like, you kind of walk in, you become a kid, you, you try to enjoy this bubble that you're in, you know, to the most of your ability and 
I feel that the beginning of the pandemic definitely changed that. And as people have started to go back to the park, obviously we talked about entitled guests that break the bubble a little bit. So it's a little bit more difficult than it used to be. But, you know, I've I've talked to a lot of people that have told me that they use the parks especially as a way to escape the real world, to escape the stresses that they have in everyday life. And, you know, if that's what you use the park for or, or if that's what you've historically used it for, then, hey, everybody needs to find a way to de-stress, right? Everybody needs to find what works for them. Um, but when I found myself not being able to go to the park as frequently as I would have wanted to, uh, I needed to find a different avenue to help fill that for me. And Dreamlight Valley kind of became that because like you, you know, in in the, the first year of the pandemic, uh, I jumped onto the Animal Crossing bandwagon. Like I, I didn't really play games either. You know, you, you touched on it, you know, that hustle mentality that was always ingrained in us, even from a young age. Like I grew up like you got to work hard, you got to hustle, you got to this, you got to that. But you you kind of miss out on a lot. Right. And so I Uh took a step back and I I was forced to take a step back, basically, and reevaluate and think, well, you know, how can I enjoy myself more? And one of those ways was sitting down and playing games with my kids, you know, and uh, having an opportunity to just relax and not think about anything else. And Animal Crossing was that 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 uh that door that brought us back in, right? That door swung right open and we had this cozy mm-hmm. game where you could just run around and the same, like the the music, the the graphics were just like cutesy and they, they, you know, there was nothing that you couldn't not enjoy about it. Like it was, that's a double negative, but uh, like <laughs> you could fish, you could catch bugs, you could plant, whatever. And it just felt like, you know, fun. Right. And so Dreamlight Mm -hmm. Valley came around and it gave us all that same satisfaction that Animal Crossing had. But now it had all these Disney elements to it and it had all these opportunities to to play around this. It's like digital action figures. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if you think back from when you were a kid, you had all these action figures and all these like little like plushies or whatever of all your Disney characters and stuff. And you used to sit there and talk to them, play with them. And it's it's the core story of Dreamlight Valley. You know, it's yeah. like you said, the idea of reminding you what it's like to be a kid, to 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 have that inner child, it's it's re it's reteaching you, like you said, like to take that step back and just realize like, hey, slow down. Slow down. Yep. Take a step back, enjoy what you're doing. And that's kind of where I fell. And that's why, like, for me, especially, like I said, since I haven't had an opportunity to go to the parks as much as I would as I would want to right now, it's kind of become that place for me to enjoy Disney that's just mine on a level where it's my comfort zone. Exactly. That's what it is. Thank you, Andrew. But I'm at the point now where you are, where now I want to design the valley and start getting a little bit more creative about the things that I lay down, where and how with a little bit more design, like uh, like elements behind it. Right. Because this Mm -hmm. is where the only dynamic that I think is missing from this game that for me would just like make me melt and I probably would never play anything else is. Uh, you know how I told you I used to love playing the roller coaster tycoon games and stuff. Mm, mm-hmm. Planet Coaster 
Planet Coaster fixed that for me. Like the, it's kind of like an updated version of Roller Coaster Tycoon. It does a really good job. Like I've sat down and I've built like I with my youngest. Like we started building our own theme park in Planet Coaster. Like if Dreamlight Valley ever added an element where you could ride the vehicles and you can set up like yeah. a park, dude, I would never put the damn game it. down. So before I started playing Dreamlight, I've been I I've Julie and I were hanging out one night and she's on her iPad and she's playing uh that the tycoon one that you're talking about roller coaster tycoon and i was like i've always enjoyed the game i've never actually played it but i've always enjoyed watching people do their thing with it and i thought it was very creative so i'm like i wonder if there's a disney game out there that i can do that with before dreamlight valley was even a concept or whatever i'm sure it was being developed but not talked about yet so i found disney magic kingdoms right and Mm -hmm. it's a mobile game it's a lot of fun i've probably spent too much money on this game because it's definitely it's a pay-to-play kind of deal um I also kind of feel like in the background they're teaching kids how to gamble maybe a little bit, kind of getting that oh, little thing yeah. started as a whole other thing, you know. But it gave me a chance to be introduced into a, a space of a game where I could design my landscapes and my parks and put my attractions and stuff. But the kids that come to your park, they go on these attractions. And you can watch these, these little kids go around on the roller coasters and the rides and have their fun and stuff. And it's a, it's it's pretty neat to see it there's also some real basic stuff where they, like the characters will do tasks you can't see what they're doing inside the attraction you know kind of deal but like on april fool's day for the last two years every kid that runs through the park their head is huge they're all big head kids right it's hilarious <laughs> bigger That's than so, their heads normally are because their heads are already pretty huge to uh, begin dude, with. it's hilarious seeing these little <laughs> kids with these massive bobbleheads Running around with like a seven dwarfs, you know, hat on with a beard, and he's got a freaking Mickey Pop in his hand and a little balloon in his hand, and they're riding the roller coaster, and you see these big old heads riding the roller coasters or certain attractions. You know, it's super cute. But like you're saying with Dreamlight Valley, that was one specific disappointment because other games have accomplished and achieved that mechanic. Why can't we do it? Yeah. The freaking Woody's Carousel, man. I went on Reddit and I was like, this is gonna make me crazy. How do I turn his music off? I have to move oh. it in the farthest part of the swamp so I could not hear his damn You Got a Friend of Me song playing over and over and over and over again. And then I found out you could put it on streamer friendly and it turns it off. I think that the yeah. company has fixed it now to where it, it is off. But Lord have mercy, it was making me crazy. But like I've got two Dumbo up set up. I've got a whole space where I intentionally put up four different columns of, from Small World and had them all playing in different times so that the song was off of each other. You know, just just to make myself crazy listening to it, you know. Nice. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff is fun. I got rid of it immediately. But I decided to do it to see what it sounded like. You know, it was like a horror movie. But it's it's definitely I why they don't got me back them. into. I don't know, man. It's so weird, right? Here, yeah. You know what? I I never play with the sound on. I've just I don't know why. I just de- never really do. So my park probably sounds like a nightmare, like <laughs> hellscape, because I got I got all kinds of stuff all next to each other. I got you know it's I because I got a little. Uh, you know, I got, I got a little theme park area, so I have the Dumbo, I have all the Small World columns, I have I have Woody there, I have the Fun Wheel, I have the you know, I everything, all the park things are all in the one area that all apparently make noise that I didn't know made noise. So uh, I, I got to turn the sound on and see what kind of uh, uh, ghoulish nightmare, nightmare I've made for have? myself. Yes, yeah, exactly. totally. <laughs> But you know, All like right, Jason, like, favorite, even like things like the favorite and yes. least favorite. Yeah. As far as uh, with the game, 
Dreamlight Valley. Yeah, characters. Least favorite. Favorite what? Favorite gem. Go. Amethyst. Yeah. I don't know. Like <laughs> Amethyst. <laughs> Ruby. <laughs> so I would probably say least favorite character is probably Scar. Oh, interesting. A little pretentious for me. I wasn't okay. sure how his story okay. was going to end towards the end of the of the of the quests. Favorite character? It's going to sound crazy, but Elsa. I oh, love getting her walking with me because of her opening music that starts off. It's a little bit of a let yeah. it go into the unknown mix that just gets me every single time. And I, I was one of the people that didn't listen to Let It Go. So I actually love the song because I didn't hear it a million times. It's so something mm-hmm. with just the way that they compose it. Just I love yeah. having her as walking around with me. She also minds and stuff with me too. So that's, you know, but I, th- I would yeah. say like, when I, depending on my tasks, I like having like the smaller characters like Woody and Buzz with me if I'm because I have them as minors also because I don't see them and they don't annoy me. Like Stitch, Stitch, yeah. is, I don't, he's my least favorite character as it is, and he's super annoying just in life in general. So him yeah. going around have with me we, is not going to happen. Have we Andrew on the podcast asked at any point? Because I think we've had conversations off the podcast, but on the podcast, have you Mel and I talked about who our favorite and least favorite characters are? Not that I can think of, because I'm trying to think of some right now, so uh, I don't think I have them right off the dome, so I don't think so. All right, well, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, least favorite character and most favorite character. Uh, least favorite character, uh, it has to be Maui. Uh, get his big old fat body out of my friggin' way when he throws his dang hook into the ground and he can't <laughs> move past him. It's the worst. Maui is the worst character um and yes it's very annoying just like game mechanic wise uh worst character i'm also not like a huge fan of remy for an opposite reason he's too small and then i'm like okay i'm gonna go talk to remy remy just kidding i'm petting my pet oh wait a minute got like just stay in one spot so i can talk to you <laughs> it's very like the, the all those small buzz and woody the same thing like they're also small it's it's just kind of annoying to like their like their their talking to area is smaller like they should have the same size like you know i'm sure like in like something you can't see is like the area with which you can be within a character to talk to them and the it just seems like the smaller characters that area is smaller and it's annoying um yeah. uh favorite character um I'm trying to think of the character I go to the most, like for like partnering stuff, and um, I don't know. I probably, I probably, you know what? I like Goofy. I like Goofy in the game. Goofy's pretty good. He's got a stall. I, I see Goofy the most selling a pumpkins, buying a pumpkin seeds, mm-hmm. uh, selling. Pumpkins. I say hi to Goofy every time I go by him. He's you know, when you go buy something from him, he's like, "Hey," I'm like, "What's up, Goof?" Yeah. I say it every yep. single time I go to his store. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also I'm also uh, not so keen on Scrooge McDuck because he never leaves his store. So if you want to use Scrooge McDuck for anything, you got to go into the store. Um, Listen. So and he's also the, prices are outrageous, and he never upstates. The reason stock. Scrooge is on the list is because he never gives me any new stuff. 
He yeah. always sells the same boring things, and it makes me angry. So I don't Scrooge need another on like list. dress form or uh, Mickey lamp for the wall. I don't need four hundred more of those. It's fine. Well, yeah. So my favorite is Wally, hands down. Right now, I just I I love the movie. I love the character. So uh, I made him a minor. And so whenever uh, one of the tasks that I try to do every time I, I open the game is even if I don't have a lot of time to play, the three things I do is I'll go to Scrooge, see what he's got for sale. I'll go to Kristoff's stall and buy the stuff from Kristoff. And then I'll go to the Glade of Trust. And um, sometimes I'll go into the Sunlit Plateau uh, to mine for like clay and iron and stuff like that. Uh, and then after I do that, I save the game and I pretty much exit until there's something else to do. Um, but I have to agree with you 400% that Maui's like the most annoying character in the game. I just, <laughs> I cannot yeah. with him, man. If there was a way for us to say, hey, Maui, go back to your door in the castle. I don't want you in the valley. But, you know, I'll go visit you every so often. I would totally throw him back in his, like, realm because he's just kind of annoying. But, you know, it is what it is. But Wally is currently my favorite until Belle is introduced in the future update. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm super excited for that. Yeah, I'm going to be real curious to see. I'm also wondering when we're going to be getting Rapunzel because her tower has been in the image since the game was released. And there's been no speak or talk of anything about Rapunzel. I'm thinking early next year, because if you think about Belle, you know, Belle's been in the opening sequence as well, pretty much since the opening trailer mm-hmm. or since they since the first trailer. Uh, and now a year later, they're finally bringing her into the valley. Uh, I'm wondering if they're going to bring the beast in. You know, it's probably yeah, just going to be yeah. Belle for a while, but... Uh, you know, that's my favorite animated film. So I, you know, I'm excited that they're finally going to bring her into the valley. So I'm looking forward to that one. But yeah, I'm thinking Rapunzel is probably going to come like early 2024, maybe. Yeah, it'd be nice. I also wonder, like, Anna and Elsa both, where's, the, what are they, what the letters that they're getting from the air? Like, what is this letter in the air thing that they keep catching? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. They, they are making fun of everyone else in the valley. That's the secret plot twist. <laughs> Must be what it is. It's like airmail. Yeah. And <laughs> you know what? There is a storyline for Elsa that we haven't completed yet. If you're pretty far into the game, in her house, there is like a vault in the back that we mm-hmm. had to complete in order to get certain things done. That vault is still not 100% open. There is still yeah, story behind it. Yeah, also, why does... Gems and stones. Why does why does Kristoff and Anna, uh, and Anna get to live in a house and Olaf or and Elsa lives in a cave? Because she wants to be one with the elements. And also, why doesn't Ariel live with Eric in the Eric's house? Like uh, this is uh, making no sense. True, true. I don't yeah. know. Why I turned like to like Mario right there. It's a not making no sense. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so of, yeah. Don't make sense, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So yeah, looking forward to updates. Let's shift to Speedstorm a little bit because yeah. I was vroom, super vroom. psyched about this. Disney Mario Kart is how I've described it. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of time to play the game. Uh, and I feel like I wasted an entire season token because I remember cashing it in to start the Toy Story 
season pass that they were doing. Uh, and then I, was, I wasn't feeling well for a couple of weeks. And so I wasn't really able to play in that time. And then other stuff came up and I never had a chance to go back to it. So I think I wasted my token. That's the last time I played to give you some context and to give you a time frame. I know you've been actively playing. Fill me in on what's been going on and tell me what your experience has been like with Speedstorm so far. Yeah, so I would say overall, as far as like a genre within gaming goes, golf, that type of game is one of my favorites. But racing specifically has always been a favorite of mine. I just, the ones that do it right, like the old Need for Speed games, like they just give you this like a little bit of an adrenaline rush from the game. And I actually find like my legs are tired the next day because I'm actually like using my glutes and my quads. Like I'm actually turning the car. I don't know. It's really strange, but like I get that into the game usually, right? So Mario Kart, I never played it too much. And then I met my wife and she had Mario Kart on her Switch and I fell in love with it. Like the, the game's amazing. It was so, the mechanics were good. It was fun. It was just chaos and crazy, bringing me back to the old days of old Mario games and stuff. So I really appreciated that, but I was always wanting something like that, but better. And then Speedstorm comes out, and all my friends that I talk about this game with, I'm like, have you ever played Mario Kart? And I'm like, they who have, then this is better. It takes all the elements of Mario Kart, it speeds it up a little bit, as far as like the actual speed of the game and the way the racers go, with this fun element, again, of the Disney characters and the way that they've kind of given them all their own little personalities and their weapons and their vehicles. I love the fact that all every time you get a, a, a shard or whatever the thing is you need for the characters, it says when as first seen in blah, 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 time period of this movie. As So it's like a little bit of an education. The numbers on their yep. jerseys represent the year the movie came out. You know, those little kind of fun things. Even like I noticed with Stitch, Stitch is one of the newer uh, seasons in, even like the mirrors on his car are shaped like his eyes. And we got like a new fin for the uh, back of his car that is similar to the shape of his ears. You can change the colors and stuff to match his suit. I mean, it's really fun stuff. And then they come out with this weapon system where all the characters have their own little nuances of weapons, right? And early on, and and Figment was one of the first new quote-unquote characters released into the game as like a Mickey and Friends thing. And his little thing that he would throw out to you would reverse the perspective of your driving right and i remember you mentioned getting a little bit of vertigo playing the game and i was getting that early on in this game too when i was having that thing that would switch back and forth you know you're, you're taking a left turn and that thing hits you yeah. and all of a sudden you're taking a right turn but you have to steer left to go right you know this threw my whole brain off i've gotten used to it now after playing this game every day for as long as i have um but they keep introducing these new characters and these new weapons and stuff. And the game got so cluttered and annoying, right? It, it, but in a good way. Where, like, Jesse, like, drops blocks and toy blocks. And then there's a Pixar ball that rolls back and forth across the track. Super annoying. You run into him. You blow up. You got to, you know, throws off your momentum, etc. And then, who was recently that came out? Oh, Belle. Belle has furniture, right? That she leaves furniture all over the track. So if you're in a race yeah. and you have Jesse and Belle, the track is completely colored, cluttered with garbage. And there was really no way to get around it unless you were able to like maneuver through it or just crash through it. Or if you had like an invisible, uh, the jellyfish looking thing that you can get that makes you invisible to go through things. Uh, that's the only way you can really avoid it. And then Stitch, Stitch comes out. And Stitch has a mechanic to where he shoots the lasers either straight forward or he goes crazy and shoots them all in a circle completely around him in 360. And when you have that activated, you're invincible, but you're also shooting lasers. So whatever is in front of you, 
gets blown up. So the blocks for Jesse's blocks, Bell's furniture, obstacles that are in the way, you can blow those things up with him. So like I've I went on Reddit last week and did a whole post about how offense is the best defense in this game now because of the way Stitch's mechanic is. It's a lot of fun, right? But then you have like Goomba, yeah. who his move, which is super annoying, which especially in, in some of these timed races where you have to have the highest, fastest race to get a certain reward eventually in these limited races, that takes you out if you're in first place. And, it, and when he launches it, if you're in first place, but then you're suddenly in second place, his target is already on you, so you're going to get taken out. Unless you're, or you can get far enough ahead in the race to where it doesn't reach you, or you have like an invisibility cloak to where it, it doesn't hurt you because you're invincible. And it's yeah. super frustrating. So some people think he's overpowered. Some people think it's a fun thing. You know, it's it's kind of a weird situation. But Minnie and, and Daisy just came into the game. Oh, They're super fun. Okay. Did you did you get an opportunity to get uh, Steamboat Pete and Steamboat Willie? Yes. Yeah, we got those guys too. What yeah, are and their they're fun power ups? So Mickey turns his vehicle turns into a steam a steamboat, and he has a water wave that goes behind him. And if you get stuck in that water wave, your image on your screen turns into a fuzzy black and white screen. And it slows you down. The music and everything, it's like a music box slowing down. It just completely kills your oh, engine wow. and everything. It's wild. Yeah, it's super cool. Or he has one that, uh, I forget what the other one is. There's, there, It's basically the same variation. One just lasts longer than the other. Now, Pete, on the other hand, being a bully, he spills oil all of, this, all of the track. And every time an opponent hits an oil slick, you get boosted up. And he is his top speed's like two oh five or two oh eight or something like that. So he's super fast when he's boosted. And like a lot of these other guys, these defenders and the the brawlers, when they get around a corner, they lag. They get really slow. So you have to do mm-hmm. a lot of uh, drifting with him when you turn corners and stuff to keep your momentum and your speed going. Um, his quick move is he throws like a spoke or a wheel of some sort. It's, yeah, it's the wheel for the ship, and it kind of bounces off the sides of the walls. But if you can shoot it straight, you can actually ride the oil slick that he creates, which makes you go even faster. It's really tough to do, depending on what angle you oh, shoot off. It's at. like the, it's like the Mickey like music notes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Oh, yeah. the Steamboat Mickey. The other one he does is he puts out little balls of water, and they have a music note in them. And I think that the more laps, I'm not really sure how it works because sometimes he puts out two, sometimes he'll put out like six or eight of them. It's really strange, but it also helps mm. your opponents. So if you hit that, you get a boost, like Belle and her birds, for instance. Like if you can line yeah. yourself up with Belle's little birds, it boosts you up. Um, so similar to Minnie and Daisy, Minnie, her her thing is she's invincible, but she helps everybody around her. She puts this big bubble around her. It's like this blue and green. The sound effect is incredible. But if you're racing against a mini, you can jump into her bubble and you get also invincible and you all speed up and everybody starts oh. kind of drifting down the track together in really fast speed. Interesting. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay, so before they did the Toy Story update, uh, you know, there was mm-hmm. a, a really big Monsters Incorporated push, right? That was season one. That's yeah. what they started off with. And so for yeah. a really long time, the most OP racer was Mike. Mike Wazowski, mm-hmm. like if you if you leveled up Mike, you were essentially untouchable in the game. Is that still the case, or which character is the most overpowered now 
in your opinion and who's like the most underpowered character i would say i would say starting with the underpowered characters most of the brawlers all like all of them are underpowered and it's only when you go around turns they kind of bog down a little bit unless you're drifting and they're really the trick to those guys mm-hmm. is drifting with with the with the, the brawlers and the heavier characters and it, it's interesting as as if you see a bigger character obviously they're heavier so it, the car works similar to that mechanic right but if you're drifting with them they are going to drift a little bit smoother also it's really weird so Wazowski still was top speed until Jesse came in. Jesse's so far, her and Meg are the two top speed from what I understand right now. Um, okay. But Stitch is a little different. Stitch is weird. Once you get a rhythm with Stitch, if you can get a boost from the very beginning of the race you, and you can keep that boost going, he's the t- fastest, one of the fastest characters in the game. If you can keep his turbo going the entire time. And a lot of his driving, I drive with the brake more than I do the gas with Stitch, which is really doesn't sound like you normally would want to do that. But the way he drifts and the way his mechanic is set up, you can almost dance with him as far as like hitting the hitting the brake and the gas and the brake and the gas. It's going around certain corners. When you hit the little turbos on the on the track itself, that boosts you off. You know, those you could time it, and that's really when it comes to these tracks is to memorize the track layouts also to know where the specific yeah. things are. But of course, once you memorize it, then you have a track that's reversed, so then it's on the opposite sides of the road, you know, <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I would I would say overpowered wise, still Wazowski is probably the top. Angel seems to be coming in now as one of the top ones too. Uh, the last recent limited race that they just had, and most of them were Angel. But also Donald Duck is coming in. He's been coming in pretty strong too. I've seen a lot of the top racers. That we, Julie and I, look at these guys and we're like, "How are they getting this fast?" Because with Donald, he has a a bubble that he puts around him that makes him invincible, and then once that bubble pops, he turns into his little angry mode where he's like got fists flying everywhere. With the fists flying everywhere, right? Yeah, and every time he hits somebody, it boosts him up, and he can just his he can stay in a turbo boost for the whole race when he's powered up high. It's pretty wild. But my favorite thing with this game is the music. The sound. Oh yeah. the producers of the music for the soundtrack for this game, it's incredible what they've been able to do with the soundtrack with these these songs. And some of the songs, I'm like, what song is that again? And then like the the Gaston song they have in the bell track, like when the first I first heard that, I'm like, this sounds really familiar. And it took me a couple mm-hmm. times to realize, oh, this is freaking Gaston's theme song. It was so cool. You know, like I literally will drive to work in my on the way of my commutes in the morning, listening to the soundtrack in my car. I'm not sure how safe that is, but <laughs> you know, I'm starting to want to drift around corners hey, in my little SUV. <laughs> I've been using the soundtrack to Speedstorm to concentrate on work. Like that's how much I love it. Especially, there's okay. one song during the menus that 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 one I've been repeating a lot. It's just my favorite song on the entire soundtrack. Yeah, it's like a funky kind of bass drop. Uh huh. Like I, I have to agree. Yeah. The the uh, sound design in this game is absolutely gorgeous. So, to kind of wrap this one up, since you've been playing this a lot more, what are like three tips you can give people on powering up their drivers, and what are the best methods to use to do that? Uh, so the NPR races, which is the multiplayer when you're actually playing live online, uh, the rewards that you get are definitely beneficial. They have it seem like they have it set up to where you can only get certain amount of things intentionally to make you 
take longer to power up your characters nowadays instead of like all of a sudden your Mike Wazowski's level 40, you know, kind of deal. They're kind of yeah. making a gap for that. Um, there's also the multiplayer, uh, I forget what they call it, but where it's like a, it's set to like level 40. And the prizes you get are for a specific uh, a collection, like Pirates or Mulan or whatever. Those are really fast ways of getting those ones to get your things for your characters to power up. The best advice I can give to anybody when you're starting off is to go to the practice races where you can have like a free race. And I just go to the to a I I, I find the track that says like the current limited race, and I'll run that track a few times as a solo me with nobody else opponents on there. I'll make it like a hard version, even though it doesn't matter. But it gives you a chance to go through and and remember that track before you then jump into a race with actual people. Before you go to that race with actual people, then I would add characters into the race just to get a little practice with other people, you know, other characters that are doing their thing. Um, yeah. And then also really just really just practice all the different characters. Go through leveling up with their pit crews. The pit crew thing is really tricky, so we're learning that because there's the three different levels of pit crews. Every character has their crew member that's to them that gives them a certain move that only they can get right it boosts them up all their things you know etc it also gives them a starting move that they get so you get like a starting boost or a fire or a bomb or whatever and then uh just i mean really if you can't play every day try to play at least three or four times a week because it's a lot of it's muscle memory when it comes to like the racing and the timing because it's all like i said it's like a dance it's kind of like you got to remember how to dance you don't want to go out there with two left feet I'm screwed on that one. <laughs> Driving through Two the front of like tires. convenience stores. I can't turn left. <laughs> oh. All right. Poor guy. Well, we're going to begin to wrap up. We're going to jump into great moments with Mr. Link. Uh, Mr. I did it again this week, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I was born my gray eyes uh, and uh, big moppy <laughs> hair, whatever he says. So we're going to jump into great moments with Mr. Andrew in a moment. Uh, to close out the the game talk, all I'm going to say is I'm looking forward to when Dreamlight Valley introduces the the ability for us to visit each other's valleys, which seems mm-hmm. to be a feature that they're talking about adding hopefully later this year. Uh, and if when we're able to do that, if you've decorated your valley, you know, I've talked a little bit about creating additional game content for the YouTube channel. You know, I'd love for us to jump on a call and do some gameplay where we're going through each other's valleys and maybe, you know, we do some design together. I think that would be super fun. So hopefully we could do that later this year. And we got to jump into some racing, man. I'm hopefully yeah. at a point where I think I can jump in again. Definitely have to level up some racers, but maybe we'll jump into a, uh, an NPR and you can just give me some tips and we can just like drop a headset on and just talk through leveling up some characters. Yeah, be a blast. And one more thing I wanted to bring up, which I forgot to earlier with the with Dreamlight, is have you guys crafted pet houses yet? No. So if you if so, I had earlier in the game before this newest update had bought toys for the. The, my my pets because mm-hmm. now you can have more you can have more than one pet now right so you can actually build a pet house and you can put them throughout your, as many as you want as if you can have the materials to build them and all these pets you've collected you can now place at least a minimum a maximum of four per location per pet house so like Wally right now I've got a little pet house outside his place and it's all birds so he's got a whole like a little aviary with all these little birds that are flying around wait you can assign the pets to a specific one because I knew we had the little yep. dog house. But I didn't know yep, there was yeah. additional ones and that you could... Oh, dude. All right. 
Like yeah. you just gave yeah, me so a like, whole like, new I, dynamic for me oh, to dude, play with fun. in the so, game. Like, yeah, yeah, that's why I want to bring it up because like Cinderella's Castle, like I have a little crafting area behind my backyard that I made with all my storages and everything. Like I'm super organized with all my crap. And like even like color coordinating my boxes or whatever, but I put a birdhouse back there, a little house, and I've got Pua and I got a two two squirrels and a bunny rabbit now right now, and I've got feeders that are out for them and the little pinwheel thing that turns and they'll play with it and you can pet them all and I put a little chair there to sit next to them. I love sitting in chairs and the benches also with other characters when they're sitting. Yeah, it's so much fun. It's so Dude, stupid. But so, I I'm gonna but. have to send you um, screenshots of my gem room. My fish room, my vegetable, like all, how I organize everything. You're, mm-hmm. I'm telling, I spend so much time organizing them. It's not even funny. It's like ridiculous. All my crazy. houses are empty. Every house I have is empty. I bought all the floors, and there is nothing in them. Oh, I've gone. <laughs> all my stuff is outside. In my in my second game, the room I'm most proud of right now is the gaming room that I set up with all the Wreck-It Ralph stuff. Like, I, I got arcades in there. I got computers in there set up to make it, like, a whole networking system of, of games. I got couches. It looks like a total arcade lounge. It's, like, my favorite thing that I've built so far. Gnarly. I'll send you a picture. It's pretty dope. So Yeah, it's super cool. Not to go on another tangent. Just wanted, uh, oh, we could talk about want to get into some history and some facts we'll, here. We'll I can talk about this talking. damn game all day. Oh, we will. We'll be back on this. <laughs> Y'all ever seen Wreck-It Ralph? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so as we begin to close out this episode, uh, we have been doing a tribute segment as the Disney company celebrates their 100 years of wonder. And uh, in our homage to the company, Andrew has been putting together uh, some Disney facts for two years at a time. Uh, this year, we're, we're tackling 91 and 92. That's sure right. So without further ado, the great... Mr. Andrew. Hey, hey, hey. That's me. Uh, 1991, 1992 this year, or this week. I always say this year. This week are the years, 1991, 1992. Um, again, we'll be skipping film and television uh, in support of the writers and actors uh, on strike currently. So maybe eventually we'll get back to that if the uh, uh, you know studios decide to do what's right. Anyway, less of that. Uh, we're going to start with video games. In 1991, uh, games released are Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse for Sega Genesis, Mickey's Runaway Zoo for Commodore 64, Tailspin for the NES, The Little Mermaid for NES, uh, Tailspin for Sega Genesis, Mickey's Dangerous Chase for Game Boy, Fantasia for Sega Genesis, uh, The Lucky Dime Caper starring Donald Duck for Game Gear, Quack Shot for Sega Genesis, Arachnophobia for PC, uh, Dick Tracy the Crime Solving Adventure Game for PC, and Hair Raising Havoc starring Roger Rabbit for PC. Uh, for theme parks in 1991, on February 16th, the stage show Dick Tracy starring in Diamond Double Cross at the uh, MGM Studios gives its last performance. On March 15th, the Disney Afternoon Avenue exhibit area debuts in Fantasyland at Disneyland, which includes Baloo's Dressing Room, the Plain Crazy Musical opens at Videopolis, uh, the Fantasyland Autopia is temporary temporarily renamed Rescue Rangers Raceway, and the Motorboat Cruise is temporarily renamed Motorboat Cruise Through Gummy Glen. 
on April 12th, the grand opening day of Euro Disneyland is announced, April 12th, 1992, so next year. On April 15th, the Disney Party Gras Parade premieres in Tokyo Disneyland. On April 20th, the Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater restaurant opens at MGM Studios. On April 27th, Jim Henson's Muppet Vision 3D film premieres at uh, uh, MGM Studios of Walt Disney World. Uh, also this year uh, at Disneyland, Macaulay Culkin and Disney President Jack Lindquist perform opening ceremonies of the Videocade. On May 9th, in the Walt Disney Story Theater uh, in Disneyland, Disney unveils plans for a proposed Westcott Center. It would be similar to Epcot Center at Walt Disney World, included our... Uh, uh, Disneyland Resort, and other new hotels and attractions. On May 16th, Jim Henson's Muppet Vision 3D opens to the public at Disney MGM Studios. On May 17th, Disney's Port Orleans Resort Hotel opens in Walt Disney World. It has uh, 1,008 guest rooms, includes uh, Sassigal Floatworks, Food Factory Food Court, Jackson Square Gifts, and Desiree's Shop, and uh, Bon Famille's Cafe Restaurant. Um, on May 29th, Tokyo Disneyland welcomes its 100 millionth guest. On June 4th, the Company D cast member store opens in the team building, a team design building at Walt Disney World. On June 21st, the Celebration USA Parade debuts at Disneyland. Uh, also in June, Disney cancels the Port Disney Marine theme park planned for Long Beach, California, writing off $20 million that it had spent on the planning stage. On September 2nd, the Here Comes the Muppets show at Disney MGM Studios makes its last performance. On September 14th, the Main Street Electrical Parade glows away at the Magic Kingdom. On September 16th, the live show Muppets on Location, The Days of Swine and Roses premieres at Disney MGM Studios. Uh, on September 26th, the Dinosaur Live Parade begins at MGM Studios. Also on September 26th, Mama Melrose Restaurante Italiano opens at Disney MGM Studios. The former name of the restaurant was Studio Pizzeria. On October 1st, the Spectro Magic Parade replaces the Main Street Electrical Parade in Magic Kingdom. On October 8th, the number 20 locomotive, the Mississippi, begins operation at Tokyo Disneyland. Also in October, Disney unveils Sleeping Beauty uh, Castle at Euro Disneyland uh, for a press uh, sneak preview. On November 10th, the Disney Afternoon Avenue exhibit area in Disneyland closes, uh, including the Rescue Rangers Raceway being uh, renamed back to Fantasyland Autopia and the Motorboat Cruise to Gummy Glen uh, being renamed back to the Motorboat Cruise. On November 24th, the Celebration USA Parade at Disneyland makes its last run. And on December 12th, Disney decides which of its two large California projects will go ahead with. It will develop the site adjacent to Disneyland for its next theme park. The project is called the Disneyland Resort, which will include Westcott Center, hotels, a lake, and shopping malls. Uh, so we all know uh, what happened with that. <laughs> um, other notable events of 1991. In January, Jeffrey Katzenberg writes a 28-page memo with copies given to Disney executives. The memo comments on Disney's move away from low-budget films with good stories to uh, films with big expenses. Uh, the Also this year, the March cover issue of Game Pro Magazine features Mickey Mouse, and the Disney Development Company unveils plans for Celebration Florida to have 20,000 people living in four villages. Uh, new segment I'm introducing. We are uh, the Disney Legends class. So the Disney Legends class of 1991, Woo! we have... Ken Anderson, uh, Julie Andrews, Carl Barks, Mary Blair, Claude Coates, 
Don DeGrotti, Sterling Holloway, Fess Parker, and Bill Walsh. Uh, the birthdays for 1991, January 25th, Ariana DeBose, February 10th, Emma Roberts, August 17th, Austin Butler, August 28th, Kyle Massey, and November 1st, Anthony Ramos. Uh, notable deaths of 1991, February 1st, Jimmy McDonald. March 14th, Howard Ashman, November 5th, Fred McMurray, November 24th, Freddie Mercury, November 25th, Eleanor Audley, and December 21st, Leota Toombs. Uh, that brings us to 1992. Uh, a notable thing for 1992 when it comes to film uh, that I'll just think we need to cover, Disney stops filling distributors' orders for videotapes of the film Fantasia. Sales of videos of the t film total over 14 million, making it the best-selling video of all time. For video games in 1992, uh, releases are Tailspin for the Sega Genesis and Game Gear, Land of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse for the Sega Master System and Game Gear, Darkwing Duck for NES, World of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck for Sega Genesis, the Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse for the Super NES, Stunt Island Flight Simulator for PC, and Heaven and Earth for PC. For theme parks in 1992, on January 7th, The Voyage of the Little Mermaid Show opens at Disney MGM Studios. On January 31st, The Professor Barnaby Owl's Photographic Art Studio Shop opens at the exit of Splash Mountain in Disneyland. On March 6th, Disney abandons plans for an amusement park at Long Beach, California and cancels its lease on the Queen Mary and the Spruce Goose. In March, Euro Disneyland Test opens, allowing employees and their families of major sponsors to visit. On April 1st, the Company D cast member store opens in Epcot. On April 11th, Euro Disneyland opens for VIP and press previews. And on April 12th, the Euro Disney Resort featuring Euro Disneyland opens in France. The $4 billion complex has six hotels with 5,200 rooms and is staffed by 14,000 cast members. Euro Disneyland Park has 29 attractions and five theme lands, Adventureland, Discoveryland, Fantasyland, Festival Disney, Frontierland, and Main Street. 500,000 visitors were expected, but only 50,000 are admitted on opening day. Uh, Adventureland includes Pirates of the Caribbean, Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse, Adventure Isle, Captain Hook's Galley Restaurant, Blue Lagoon Restaurant, and Explorers Club Restaurant. Discoveryland includes Star Tours, Orbitron, Videopolis Stage, Cinemagique, and Captain EO. Fantasyland includes Peter Pan's Flight, Matter Hatter's Teacups, Alice's Curious Labyrinth, Dumbo the Flying Elephant, It's a Small World, and Toad Hall Restaurant. Uh, Festival Disney includes Buffalo Bill's Wild West Show, L.A. Bar and Grill Restaurant, Key West Seafood Restaurant, and Annette's Diner Restaurant. Frontierland includes Cottonwood Creek Ranch, uh, Critter Corral, Mark Twain Riverboat, River Rogue Keel Boats, Phantom Manor, a Silver Spur Steakhouse Restaurant, Cowboy Cookout Barbecue, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and Last Chance Cafe. Main Street includes the Fire Truck, Omnibus, uh, Horse Drawn Streetcars, Cable Car, Bake Shop, Boardwalk Candy Palace, uh, Disney & Co., Gibson Girl Ice Cream Parlor, Market House Deli, Casey's Corner, Harmony Barbershop, Storybook Store, uh, Waltz and American Restaurant, and Plaza Gardens Restaurant. On May 13th, 
Fantasmic premieres on the Rivers of America at Disneyland. It was the first show to utilize fireworks, pyrotechnics, live characters, music, props and puppets, sets, and water projections all in the same show, uh, including three mist screens at 60 feet wide by 30 feet tall. Water effects include 21 fountains with six whale tails. On June 4th, Euro Disneyland reports that since opening, it has received 1.2 million visitors, averaging 30,000 per day. On June 19th, the World According to Goofy Parade debuts at Disneyland. Also this year, sponsorship of It's a Small World attraction at Disneyland changes from Bank of America to Mattel. On July 17th, Splash Mountain opens in Frontierland and Magic Kingdom. On August 5th, Walt Disney World welcomes its 400 millionth guest, Brandon Adams. On August 29th, the Dinosaurs Live Parade at Disney MGM Studios makes its last run. In September, Euro Disneyland welcomes its 6 millionth guest. On October 1st, Splash Mountain opens in Crater Country at Tokyo Disneyland. On October 6th, Disney announces uh, it plans to build three resorts with over 4,500 rooms and a water theme park at Walt Disney World. The resorts will have uh, sports, music, and wilderness themes. Disney begins, uh, begins designing an American historical theme park, calling it Disney's America. They begin looking for a site near Washington, D.C., on November 2nd, Mission to Mars closes at Disneyland. November 15th, the World According to Goofy Parade at Disneyland makes its last run. On November 25th, the Toontown Railroad Station opens at Disneyland. And on December 31st, the Beauty and the Beast stage show begins performances at the Videopolis stage in Euro Disneyland. Other notable events of 1992. Disney Dollars debut at the Disney Store. The American Institute of Architects awards a National Honor Award to the Team Disney Building at Walt Disney World, the first major architectural award for Disney. The first Disney-hosted Disney Anna convention is held over four days in the Contemporary Resort Convention Center at Walt Disney World. 750 people attend. The French Prime Minister, Pierre Bergovi, maybe... Pierre, some guy, uh, presents Michael Eisner with the French Legion of Honor Award. Uh, and Sotheby's Auction House in Los Angeles conducts an auction of animation art associated with the film Beauty and the Beast. All 250 items are sold for a total of $1.2 million. A painting of the ballroom scene goes for $44,000. Uh, also this year, Disney creates the Mighty Ducks professional hockey team in Anaheim, California. Woo! And Walt Disney Theatrical Productions is created with Walt Disney Studios. The Disney Legends class of 1992 includes Jimmy Dodd, Bill Evans, Annette Funicello, Joe Grant, Jack Hanna, Winston Hibbler, Karen O'Connor, and Roy Williams. Uh, birthdays for 1992, March 10th, Emily Osment, April 10th, Daisy Ridley, May 18th, Spencer Bresland, May 22nd, host of Quizneyland and Podcateers, uh, great Mr. Andrew, me, Ooh. Andrew, Fivik. Uh, April 18th, I see I included myself, I'm a big old celebrity. <laughs> uh, April 18th, Chloe Bennett, June 26th, Jeanette McCurdy, uh, July 17th, Billy Lord, July 22nd, Selena Gomez, August 4th, Cole and Dylan Sprouse, August 20th, Demi Lovato, September 16th, Nick Jonas, October 9th, Tyler James Williams, October 12th, Josh Hutcherson, November 23rd, Miley Cyrus, and December 18th, Bridget Mendler. Uh, notable deaths of 1992, uh, January 9th, Claude Coates, March 4th, Art Babbitt, and November 22nd, Sterling Holloway. And that has been it for the years 1991 and 1992. Uh, and great moments with uh, me, Mr. Andrew. Awesome. Well, well I need a drink of water. That, that's going to wrap it up 
for this episode. Uh, Jason, tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, I don't know when you guys are ready to relaunch, but, you know, if you got the scoop, here's the place to drop it. Yes, I I told Julie today that uh, I'm going to be bringing this up, so we have to actually record now. (laughs) And uh, I would say within the next two weeks, we're going to have an episode up, uh, hopefully within the week, because... Uh, I want to talk about the foot golf situation and you know what we did with that. Kind of get more in depth with that conversation, which then spawned me to want to start doing more activities that are sport related within Disney. There's like lots of fishing tours you can do and different like just fun things that are kind of somewhat sport related, and also things we've never done at Disney as far as stuff you know and activities. Uh, but you can find us on the socials. I believe it's been a while, but I believe our Instagram is fia underscore Disney. Uh, we are an adult Disney podcast, unfiltered. Uh, we let all things go and, uh, you know, just kind of talk about the world of Disney in a way that we do. Uh, Julie, my wife, is a, a big foodie, so she brings up all the food stuff. Uh, she has another show called uh, One Little Spice that she runs as well. She hasn't had uh, episodes in a while, but she's going to be getting that going again, too. We've been slacking, put it that way. Uh, my personal podcast I've been doing for about eight years now. It's called A Glass Blower's Companion. Uh, I'm going to be posting uh, my first episode in six months here this week, which I'm excited about getting oh, that going man. again. And uh, I interview glass blowers and artists out there and share the stories and what they do and inspire and you know all that fun stuff. The uh, edutainment, as uh, you know, Disney's coined over the years. Love it. And uh, outside of that, my personal Instagram is uh, Jason Michael underscore Glass. That's more of my Disney family friendly Instagram page. Uh, I've personally taken a six month break from social media. I just felt like uh, you know I was making like two hundred bucks a month on Reels, and then I got to a point where I felt like I was just done with it. I just the, just the needing to do things on Instagram was I don't have the time for it. I'm making the time for it again so I can get this ball rolling with, you know, we have to post on stuff to get people to know the things that we do out there. Yep. So there you go. <laughs> right on, man. And uh, you want to come see me do some, melt some glass and make some magic, you can find me over at uh, Disney Springs, over at the Rubis Brothers Crystal Arts Store. We're next to Basin over near the world of Disney. Uh, it's one of the oldest buildings, which was originally from the Buena Vista Shopping Center. So if you want to come sweat while I'm sweating, uh, come join us because our AC sucks. <laughs> Fun times. Yeah. Tell me about oh, it. You have no idea. I started sweating just <laughs> thinking about that comment. I don't like God. it. I'm going to go I saw cool someone the day. <laughs> well, someone post, they posted a video of me working on Instagram, and someone's like, so we're supposed to come in there and watch glass blowers sweating while we're sweating? How, how's that cooling off? Mm-hmm. So I had, to, I had to comment about it because it, uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> All right, that is going to wrap it up. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week and doing the Disney mm-hmm. chatty chatty with us. Uh, the rambling. The rambling. That's right. The rambling rabbit, so to speak. Oh, my favorite thing. So that's it. Until uh, next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. See ya. See you on Main Street. Part of the Podcateers Network.